0: You couldn't swear on the air, so I would just say "yes, guy" in a very sarcastic tone. But originally, it was meant to um, not to, to prevent you from getting fired on the air. So,
1: <laughs>
0: it's the H Dog Pod with your host Michael Houndog Harrison.
1: Hey, welcome to episode ninety-seven, the Tiger Woods edition of the podcast. Before I get to Tiger, let me celebrate a 4th year anniversary of this podcast, which wouldn't be possible without my editor Grant Roberts. Hard to believe it's already been 4 years. Crazy. Back to Tiger. The reason 97 is significant is because he won the Masters as a 21 year old in 1997 by a whopping 12 strokes that didn't even end up being the largest margin of victory he had in a major as he won the 2000 US Open by 15 shots. Insanity. A couple other wild Tiger Woods stats. He made 142 consecutive cuts on tour. For context, you'd have to play every PGA Tour event, and of course make the cut in all of them, for approximately four years to beat it. From 1997 to 2013, Woods was a combined 126 underpowering major championships. His next closest pursuer was 251 shots behind him. By the way, trivia question, there's no chance you would ever get this one. That player somehow was Steve Flesh. I would never have guessed that in a million years. Woods and Nike parted ways after 27 years together, and I couldn't care less. Not, I could care less, which sometimes people say incorrectly. If you could care less, then it means that you do care about it. Anyways, I don't really get the hoopla over him switching his golf attire. Someone who I do appreciate the hoopla over is my next guest, a legend in the sports broadcasting industry. So without further ado, let's get cracking. Okay, now welcome on a very, very special guest, Jim Taddy. He's a veteran broadcaster with nearly 50 years in the sports industry, hosting Sportsline for 23 years on Global, and he now hosts the Yes Guys show on TSN 1050 radio every Thursday and Friday from 10 a.m. to noon. I've been on his podcast quite a few times, brag. So it's only fitting that he joins me today. Welcome to the H-Dog Pod, Jim.
0: Hey, my pleasure to be here and I have a little treat for you. Take a listen. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I like so went wild there sorry guy
1: <laughs> thanks guy that's awesome was not <laughs> expecting that I love that so much I'm uh, excited to have you on the podcast uh, well I want to get uh, into your career in sports broadcasting Jim like take us back to where it all began to to get to where you are today
0: oh boy that's uh, that's a long time ago uh, you know did your you, does anybody remember 1975 the answer would be no that's when I started. <laughs> Wow. I, uh, you know, that was my first job I was in Simcoe, Ontario. I was doing night news when they had night news. And I did a sports cast. And I actually, at the start, uh, because of the way the world was at the time, I was trying to become a news guy, newscaster, uh, reporter, journalist. My background was broadcast journalism. So uh, I, I thought I would do the sports thing maybe 10 years down the road. As it turned out, it was uh, eight months later. But uh, so that was my uh, attempt at the time. Didn't feel really comfortable doing news. Uh, and it's uh, it's a long checkered story to get where I am right now. It's, you know, you could look at the, the story and go, you know, well, I'm going to do this. That, I mean, anything I, I could tell you is antiquated. It doesn't exist anymore. Uh, but the the important thing is to live in the moment and be positive and push forward. Uh, if you went through The Theories of what I did, you'd find that you couldn't duplicate them because that system doesn't exist anymore. But that would be my advice to you.
1: Well, yeah, you said that things are antiquated and and, you know that they've changed. What, uh, what, uh, how do you feel the sports industry has changed and has it changed for the better?
0: Oh, yeah, I always think it changes for the better, it evolves like uh, you know. So, if you've been around for a number of years, you know, you could get stuck with. Here's how we used to do it. Well, that doesn't matter. It's, it's how it's being done now. Um, it always moves forward. So you have to keep up with that. Um, you know, there's the ability now to do way more things. I mean, the, the world that I started in was manual and now the um, I guess we're we'll called the digital world allows you to do things a lot faster and you can get to people a lot faster. And I think it's more true. Um, sometimes if you go back you had to uh, i'm not going to say fake things but you couldn't do the full story properly because you didn't have the materials to do it or the technology might be the better way to say it so i always believe that it, it's always better moving forward because it's part of a it's evolving so you have to appreciate the change
1: that's uh that's a good point uh what what is uh what would you say would be the uh, the proudest moment of your, of your illustrious career
0: might be right now, Hound Dog. This could be it.
1: Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a, that's a low bar. If that's the proudest moment of your of your career,
0: I I, I don't have one of those. Hey, I remember that. I just uh, I'm happy with all of it. Um, I, I do sort of go day to day. I don't project uh, years ahead. Um, I just I'm I'm really thrilled to be part of this, to still be part of it and to keep moving forward. I I find I am still evolving. So that's uh, that would be. Uh, certainly, uh, something to to be noteworthy. Uh, you know that you could still say that after all this time.
1: Absolutely, and uh, on the flip side of that question, I always like to ask this one: uh, is, is, Did you ever have a, uh, a mistake in your career where you were like, "Oh goodness, I'm uh, I'm done for now. This is this is brutal"?
0: Um, I, yes, obviously, I, it's not a specific thing, but I had uh, sports casts that blew up, or you know, I would disintegrate, and then uh, then you have to pick yourself up. The great thing about the early days was. You know, on a sports caster run, you did 13 of them a day, so um, there was uh, you could easily repair it in the next one. So uh, I never I never said or, or wrote the same uh, kind of sports cast like it was always a different one. So I I do actually have a copy of something in the mid 70s where I absolutely fell asleep on the air. I just couldn't say anything, and I <laughs> have the next two sports casts after where I just totally redid them. And I you know years later I listened to them. I thought, well, that was impressive because I should have melted on the spot, but. I actually, picked myself up and, and uh, erased. I was really good for that. There was a, a like a mistake that I made. I made sure that, that it was erased, not not like removed, but that I overcame
1: it right away because there,
0: there's no point to dwell on that stuff.
1: Yeah, that's that's so so true. To try to move past uh, any mistakes or whatever. I, I remember it wasn't uh, when I was doing one of these podcasts, uh, but one uh, behind the scenes at TSN a number of years ago. My mistake—it uh, was actually a pretty funny one, so it wasn't a big deal. But uh, I was writing a, a stats board, and I meant to write Canucks goaltending problems, and I accidentally mixed up the T and the L typo. So I, I went to Canucks goat lending problems. Oh, so, guy, <laughs> which is pretty good right like you know there's yeah, a lot like worse that. you can go to. there's a lot worse that can go to there than that right
0: yeah but that's one of those where you look at it and go oh hey, that's funny yeah yeah good 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 work <laughs>
1: yeah yeah well like i said at least that uh, that's a mistake that not a big deal it's pretty funny uh there's other ones i won't mention that i've heard uh over the years that were whoa <laughs> far far worse than that that's for sure so well, the, the bottom
0: line is it's not unlike sports i think if you cover sports you'll learn this that you know somebody coughs up the puck or somebody throws an interception um you have to get back like you have to
1: atone for that so make it you make up for it on the next play right that's uh, so so true now talk about i mentioned of course sports uh hosting uh with mark Hebsher uh those years ago uh how was it like knowing that you had like the preeminent sports tv show
0: well um i was the manager i was the sports director so i, I had a busy day
1: uh, I, you know
0: uh I would have designed the job functions and hired everybody on there. So um, I was always very proud of it, um, and I, you know, I think we all understood it was uh, groundbreaking. Um, but for whatever reason, that didn't seem to mean too much to anybody else. But so it was an internal thing, really. Uh, there was a lot of people in the business that liked it, but um, when I look back on that, I'm, I'm really proud that I did it and, and happy with everything. It just didn't really go anywhere. So. You know, it didn't it didn't go on to bigger and better things, really. So I'm sure sort of, I have mixed emotions about it.
1: Oh, really? Yeah, because yeah. obviously that's a little bit before my time. But I do remember watching some with my grandfather who got me into sports and obviously oh, he absolutely nice, loved uh, it. And... Yeah, nice
0: reference there, Hound Dog. Nice <laughs> reference.
1: <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it, it's interesting you have mixed emotions about it because from what, from what I've ever heard about it, everyone absolutely loved it because it was the only show in town and it was phenomenal. Well, you have to sort of uh, scalpel
0: away the layers of what I said there. I mean, I I love doing it, and it was fun to do, it and I was honored to do it. Um, I just would have liked it to have led to something bigger and better, and it didn't really. So that that's um that's an internal thing. It, it's you know I can see why anybody else would love it. You should, uh, but for me, I wanted it to. I wanted it to go somewhere, and it it, ran, it sort of ran into a brick wall.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, and uh, certainly in the sports industry, and fast forward to nowadays, yeah. it, it's definitely a challenging one in terms of you know a lot of other uh, companies going bust or shows being canceled or those types of things. It's uh, definitely a challenge, uh, you know, to be in an industry unfortunately that's dying. But uh, in mediums like this, like podcasting, anyone could if they want to do a podcast. So as you said earlier, things evolve, and and you know you have to sort of Keep up with the times with that. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah, it's a different landscape, so you can't you can't stay back there and say it should be this way. Um, it's it's not unlike the planet; it's evolving. You have to figure out how that works for you.
1: Absolutely. And uh, well, question I, I definitely w- always wanted to know: uh, How did uh, "yes guy" become a thing? Uh, just just one day you said it, and, and all of a sudden people loved it, or what? Uh, I'm curious well, yes the backstory in that.
0: Yes guy was a, um, a, a term I used to use in my office at Global quite a bit when. Um, You know, I got fed up with things um, and it was used on the air. uh, I didn't want, you couldn't swear on the air. So I would just say yes, guy, in a very sarcastic tone. And uh, through overuse, uh, it became um, uh, a lot of uh, different things. It really depends on the tone it's delivered in, which it can be sarcastic, it can be supportive but originally it was meant to um not to, to prevent you from getting fired on the air so
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that i was not expecting to an answer I, I love that that's uh, that's an amazing guy <laughs>
0: yes guy it is yes <laughs>
1: <laughs> do you have any uh, maybe uh, favorite coaches or athletes that you covered or any funny stories uh, uh, over the years
0: uh, this goes way back i used to love interviewing john brophy when he was the leaf coach because um, he was quite a um, uh, sharp guy in that he would uh, let anybody have it uh, uh, verbally. And uh, we, back then, we used to have this light on the camera. This is an archaic equipment. It was called a sun gun. And so you'd put it on him if he was in a, a darker area. And uh, as soon as the light came on, he would just become this really nice guy and answer your questions. <laughs> it was kind of, kind of stark. Like, you wish you had the, uh, the the guy with the red face yelling at people, but... He, That guy never showed up when the camera was on.
1: It was kind of fun that way. (laughs) That's funny. That's funny. Uh, Yeah, that's uh, that's (laughs) that's really good. Uh, I I think uh, I was doing a little deep dive research before uh, this podcast. You've covered some Masters tournaments, correct?
0: Uh, No, I did not. I I never went to the Masters. I I covered them. I covered them from the desk.
1: (laughs) Right. Well, that's why. uh, Obviously, uh, you can't always trust the internet because it said that. Yeah, you've covered well. I guess you did cover the Masters. But uh well, yeah, it's never a bit so I was actually gonna be my next question about any bucket list uh sporting events that you want to go to. Maybe it's that one, perhaps it's another one.
0: Um you know, there's a couple of events like the masters in auto
1: racing are kind
0: of the same. They're hard to cover because you have to cover a lot of ground. Like you can't really you can't really see the whole thing unless you're in a booth with a bunch of monitors. Uh and it's the same for golf. Golf is um, I mean, it'd be great to walk the grounds, and, and if you could follow one group without getting stampeded, you know, if you could follow Tiger in his prime, but, but so would everybody else on the, on the ground. It's, it's hard to get that overview that you get that television provides for you. Um, auto racing is just so fast. Uh, the, the Molson Indies is what they were called then that I did. Um, I was up in a booth, and the guy calling the race was in a booth calling it off uh three 13-inch monitors because you can't you can't look out out the booth window and call the race. I mean, it's just it's too fast and there's a lot going on. So, so some of it is you'd like to be there, but um, you're not really there because you can't see everything. So it's kind of a weird uh, weird answer to a to a good question.
1: Yeah, well, see, it's kind of funny because obviously I'm a massive massive golf fan, and, uh, you know, obsessed with it, and weirdly I've never actually been to a, a Canadian Open b- b- before, which would seem. Crazy, probably, to people who know how much I love golf, but uh, I, I definitely feel, of course, if uh, he doesn't play them anymore. But if John Daly were to play, of course, I'd want to be my hero. I'd want to be following him on the grounds. But yeah, like you said, uh, golf, especially if you were to go on a Sunday, you know, you're pretty much missing all the good stuff. Especially if it's a if yeah. it's a tight leaderboard, you'd be missing most of the action. So just sort of like the same way with NFL, I'd rather almost watch it at home because it's so much better the viewing experience.
0: Well, you have to uh, have a good data plan and watch it on your phone as you're
1: there, right? <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good point. Uh, let's go to, let's go to uh, current news. It just happened uh, as of this recording just a, a day before. Uh, William Nylander just signed a massive eight-year, $92 million deal with the Maple Leafs, averaging uh, $11.5 million a year. Uh, what do you think about that contract? And do you think that with this contract and the core four and Morgan Riley locked up, At the least, having a chance to win the Cup here, or is this going to
0: set them back? I don't think it sets them back. They have a chance to win, but it's all going to roll on the support players. I think that, uh, you know, when you go through why it hasn't worked before, um, you know, their third line doesn't match up with the third line of the team that eventually eliminates them. Um, The goaltending has been not as good as, but, you know, in the years gone by, they've been up against Vasilevsky and Kerry Price, so they don't have one of those guys, and they can't afford one of those guys. Um, the blue line has been okay. Uh, I'm not gonna. I think there's there's some work that has to be done there, but um, really, it's you know the first thing you do is you sign your core and then sprinkle the guys around it, and they're still sprinkling. I guess is the best way to describe that. I, but there is some. I mean, it could happen and, and it could not happen. It's hard to say at this point.
1: I feel like uh, in that, well any playoffs, especially in the baseball playoffs, this last year with the Diamondbacks and the and the Rangers getting in and then Diamondbacks make it all the way to the World Series. Just get into the playoffs, and you never know. Obviously, the Maple Leafs have had a very good team for quite a while now, haven't gotten over that hump. But just keep knocking on that door. Hopefully, eventually, it, it goes through. I remember like when the Washington Capitals finally won their Stanley Cup, and that was, the, uh, of course, the narrative with Ovechkin, that he couldn't even get past the second round, let alone win the Cup. Yeah. And forever and ever and ever, they kept losing every single year. And I would say that Washington team eventually did win the Cup, wasn't even as good as the Capitals team as previous years, but eventually you just keep knocking on that door, like I said, hopefully eventually it'll it'll bust through.
0: Well, that happens. I mean, it it can, if you get through the first
1: round, it can line up that there's a road
0: sort of mapped out for you. I mean, um, the year that Montreal got into the finals, I mean, that that was sort of mapped out for them or or it appeared that way. So it can happen. I I think there, there are teams in Washington, might be one of them that have won Stanley Cups. When you look at the road to the Stanley Cup and you go, wow, a lot of things went in their favor, but that's winning, right? A lot of things go in your favor.
1: Totally. And, and of course, there's a lot of uh, you know, discussion and discourse in Leafs Nation about uh, Mitch Marner, the contract that he had signed a few years ago. And it's, is it, I find it weird sometimes in the sports, uh, in, in the Toronto media, uh, the, the, basically the, the disdain and the, and the almost hatred, weirdly, from Leafs Nation towards Mitch Marner. Do you find that weird too?
0: I think there's a uh, it's a it's a hockey thing where uh, when anybody gets paid by the Maple Leafs that people go a little ballistic on that because they think it's their money. Um, you know, the, the, uh, what does he get? Ten. Ten point nine. That's a fringe basketball player. I mean, no, nobody cares. Or, or, you know, for the Blue Jays, if they paid somebody 10 million bucks, like yeah. Uh, and, you know, so basketball and baseball, nobody cares. But when it comes to hockey, obviously the cap's a lot lower. Um, That $10 million hockey player almost becomes maligned immediately um, and can't reach or or can't fulfill what everybody thinks he's supposed to do. I mean, hockey is the ultimate team game. So while it is possible for you to make that kind of money and the Leafs have four of them, um, it doesn't guarantee anything. It's about the team. So I I guess I could understand some of it, but I find a little bit of some of it a little mean spirited. I mean, I, I always say let's not forget about the humanity in the conversation. Both people the team and the player signed the contract, it was agreeable to both.
1: I've always found, and I'm sure it's probably the same with other fan bases as well, as well, even before the salary cap era, but like, you know, fans will love the the fourth line grinder on the Maple Leafs, but absolutely a time sort of uh, I remember uh, even back in the day, to a, a certain extent anyway, of course, Ty Domi was loved in Toronto, but then Matt Sundin, a far better player, of course, would sometimes be, uh, you know, ripped by some people. It's never made any sense to me. It's like, we love our, like, guys who are just scraping by or, like, you know, fourth-line uh, tough guys or whatever, but yet our skilled players, sometimes it's like, ah, he's not good enough. He should be getting 500 points a season.
0: Well, well, it is, and, you know, I don't I don't know what the answer to it is. I
1: mean, hockey is the the one sport where...
0: One million can cancel out ten million in, in a defensive situation. Um, the NBA, the stars shine, uh, and in baseball, it's it's a little different. I mean, if, if you're if you're making a, a you know, several Brinks trucks full of money, and you don't uh, you don't win the World Series, nobody seems to care. It's the regular season stats.
1: Absolutely. Uh, let's go and move to the, the to the Blue Jays. It seemed like it could have been an incredible offseason for a couple hours there on a on a Friday, yeah. maybe five whatever the month or so ago, three weeks ago for a couple hours on that Friday everyone was lathered up for Shohei Ohtani looked like he might be coming to Toronto and then it never happened. Uh, do you think long term this might actually be better uh, to not get him in terms of all the money that uh, is tied up in him?
0: I think it would have been a, just a massive opportunity but but having having seen them fail you know it's still the, the off season agenda still is we need A B and C and so far, A, B, and C are missing in action. So it doesn't really matter that they were close to Otani. Uh, but if they don't bring in the required people that they need, uh, when they need a third baseman, a good, bat and an outfielder, if they don't bring in these people, then they're not going to have any success. So, I mean, that would be my problem is that you spent all your time on the big fish
1: and,
0: and he went to the big pond.
1: Yeah, and it's uh – Blue Jays fans, I love the team like crazy, but it's just, uh, especially, I guess, on Twitter, it's it just frustrated me, especially this last season, with, like, you know, fans expecting them. Basically, they should be going 162-0. It's like every team has struggles. The Texas Rangers, until they swept Toronto for four games, I think they lost, like, 16 of 20 or something along those lines in August. And, but yet, you know, Toronto's the only team... That, yeah. I, I get it. It's your team. They're, only, they're the only team that matters, so to speak. But it's frustrating with, like... Uh, You know, a lot of people just, you know, rip on Ross Atkins all the time. And yes, they haven't had the playoff success, which has been very frustrating. But I remember a time from 1994 to 2014 where the Jays missed the playoffs 20 straight years. So be careful what you wish for getting him fired, because I think they've actually done a better job than people think.
0: Oh, you know, baseball is, um, you know, sometimes when I talk about my Lions in football, I think the only story I can think of that's that would be comparable would be the Cubs who did nothing for decades and decades and decades, and that's the Lions. But in baseball, uh, you know, you could go 50 years between championships or, or maybe maybe longer. And so you have to appreciate, you always have to be positive. Uh, this is a positive situation. It may be a couple of bricks short of a load, but but it's still, I mean, there's potential there. Sometimes things just happen, so I wouldn't be too negative about it.
1: Definitely. And you said that the, the Lions, I'm assuming you meant, of course, the Detroit Lions. Uh, what do you think their chances are in the playoffs? Kind of a tough draw to get Matthew Stafford, which is a great story in the, this upcoming uh, card weekend.
0: Um, this is going to be a, a real test for positive thinkers just because <laughs> there's only one playoff win since 1957. So I've got a list of things that could go wrong. And Matt Stafford, you know throwing bomb after bomb is one of them in in Detroit um, and I just um, you know I, I've got no reference points pound dog help me out here I just I can't and I'm, I'm, I'm you know I've got uh, got all my power searching for a positive here and I can't find one
1: what uh well I guess let's go back to what, what made you sort of alliance fan I guess Barry Sanders probably is that uh oh no no that's
0: that's that's too recent I, I just I, I, I went back into
1: I go back I followed the team for over 50 years so I just always
0: did. I I thought they were about to come back. (laughs)
1: That's, uh, you know, uh, that's, that's tough. And I appreciate your fandom on that because, you know, a lot of fans are fair weather fans. Clearly you can't be saying you're a fair weathered fan, uh, following them all those years. Right. But, uh, no,
0: they they actually have the one playoff win and
1: and I can't remember it. (laughs) Oh yeah. I think it was 91. I want to say,
0: yeah, Yeah, they creamed Dallas, but I I had to look at that when I watched the Barry Sanders, um, documentary went oh yeah i sort of remember that (laughs) the way i used to the way i used to do it was thanksgiving day was the super bowl and you know most of the time well they they have a reasonable record in thanksgiving day game but uh most of the time after that i would i wouldn't care too much about them because they'd fall off the cliff Uh, but this year is different
1: and and i'm assuming you you like dan campbell i remember talking to some people uh his first year with the lions and they were, I think, I don't know, something like 0-7-1 or something along those lines. And it was like, Kate, okay, they're losing all these games, but they're very competitive for a team that's absolutely horrible in terms of their record. I like this Dan Campbell guy. And as of, and, uh, last year, I remember remember making some bets to, for them to win the division, for them to win the NFC. Unfortunately, it was a year too early. I love this Dan Campbell guy. Of course, some of his the decisions, they, they could be uh, mocked if they don't work, but I, I think he's great.
0: Yeah, no, I, I I wish he could play. I mean, he's 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 uh, he wears his heart on his sleeve, and he just is a little too aggressive sometimes with the fourth and and one, and uh, likes to likes to go for it, and have this fear. I, I just actually this morning I woke up and went, oh, I had that dream again where they they make a ridiculous call (laughs) and it blows up on them. So hopefully that's just scarring.
1: I always find like in football, especially results-based oriented thinking, like a lot of times people, if it works, you're a gutsy coach if it works, but if you don't, you're a stupid coach type of mentality, right? And uh, I love it. But yeah, uh, specifically against the Dallas game, I was totally fine with uh, him going for two to win the game. Well, hopefully to win the game. There still was a little bit of time left. But then once there was the penalty over the ludicrous – uh, not uh reporting the eligible receiver it's like okay just kick the 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 point after that point go to overtime because their team is so i, I think in the, if he were to do that differently in that moment i think he probably would have kicked the extra point i think because let your team regroup you're really frustrated that should have been a two-point conversion that would have worked but uh the referee screwed it up just get, allow your team to have a, a moment to sort of reset and go to overtime but uh yeah if it works you're a genius if it doesn't you're an idiot
0: well, you know, you just uh, you brought back a, a memory for me, and that is that um, the Lions don't have too many complaints with bad officiating calls. It's usually severely self-inflicted.
1: Actually, I, I do remember the Lions. <laughs> the, the, was, I think it was Thanksgiving. Speaking of Thanksgiving Lions games, I think it was against Pittsburgh in the nineties, yeah. where the the coin uh, coin toss call and they huh. uh, and the referee misheard the player uh, uh, saying whatever he called it, the heads or something like that, and he said he thought he said did tails, so that one was. I mean, I can't even imagine the uh, if I happen in the social media age, everyone would just lose their minds.
0: It's just for us. It's just on the list.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And so, like, obviously, I've been a diehard Seahawks fan since the late 90s. And and a lot of times people, you know, are ripping I I see on Seahawks Twitter is like split. Should, Should they get rid of Pete Carroll? Should they keep Pete Carroll? And obviously, if they get rid of him, you could find an incredible young coach. Certainly there's like a Sean McVay type, obviously. Hopefully you do. But then you could get a guy like a Matt Nagy or you know somebody, Arthur Smith, these coaches. It's like, to me, uh, when they traded Russell Wilson two years ago Seattle, everyone thought they were going to be like a 3-14, and 4-13 four type of team, like a brutal team, especially with Geno Smith. And they've exceeded expectations, gone 9-8 and eight both years, but in the playoffs the one time. Because Big Carroll was too good in the rebuild when everyone thought they were going to be brutal – then it's like, well, no, he he's terrible. He has to be gone. No one thought two years ago they were going to be any good. So it's just it, it's almost like if they were like five and twelve the last two years, people would be better with it than if they're nine and eight. It makes no sense to me.
0: Well, and here's a here's another uh, tale of woe. Uh, go through the ex-Detroit Lions head coach list and find one that went on to bigger and better things.
1: Yikes. Yeah, it's a good point. The one I actually really did like was Jim Caldwell, and they, uh, I thought they got rid of him a little too early because I think he made the playoffs two of three years, I want to say. It's like he's actually pretty good, and, yeah, they got rid of him, and uh, until they got Dan Campbell, things certainly weren't very good there for a while.
0: No, no, no. The, the coaching carousel was uh, was broken. It's like a merry-go-round minus a couple of horses.
1: <laughs> yeah, the uh, for me – like I said, the Seahawks, I want to keep Pete Carroll. They need to change the defensive coordinator, actually get a real established guy in there, I think. But it's, uh, be careful what you wish for, Seahawks fans. Get rid of Pete Carroll. Stability almost every year in the playoffs. Yes, they haven't been to a Super Bowl in a decade. But, like, it's it, it's sort of like the same thing with Mike Tomlin, with the with the Steelers. I, I hate the Steelers. But Mike Tomlin's incredible. A lot of fans wanted him gone about a month ago. Be careful what you wish for. These coaches are good. Same thing with Belichick, uh, with the Patriots. Like, obviously, these are great coaches, I'd say give them the, them the benefit of the uh, doubt.
0: Yep, absolutely. Yeah, it sounds inspirational, hound dog.
1: <laughs> well, if Pete Carroll does get fired one day, hopefully he coaches them till when he's like ninety-five. Dude, this won't age well. I will take over as the Seahawks head coach. That, that, that's a oh, guarantee.
0: I hope I'm around for that.
1: <laughs> that would be very, very entertaining. Well, Jim, this has been a absolutely phenomenal. Conversation. Oh
0: wait, wait, wait a bit. Wait a bit. Wait. We, we've. Uh, I think we're minus something, aren't we? I think so. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, drivers, and passengers, time now for the Hound Dog Harrison edition of Yes Guy, No Guy. Go ahead, sir.
1: Okay, uh, Jim, uh, Yes Guy, No Guy, you've made and will keep New Year's resolutions.
0: No guy. Not in all, eh? No, I just, uh, I live by the code. Every day is uh, best foot forward, away we go. I don't have to sit down at the end of the year and make up this, uh, I'm going to call it Fugazi list that i have to live by <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's a that's a good uh, good one for sure
0: yeah oh okay here we go yes guy no guy number one from here um you are tired of fighting with the Elvis estate for the use of hound
1: dog oh that's a that's a good one yeah you know what actually i've been in a court with him for about a decade on that one uh the Elvis estate It's uh, been frustrating clearly i'm the hound dog obviously not who's this yeah. Elvis guy i don't think i've ever yeah. heard of him to, to be honest before i, I think you did okay with music or something
0: Yeah,
1: he's a distant memory for me, too. Yeah, I I don't really know who he was. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm quite cheesed off with that. Everyone knows I'm the Hound, the original Hound Dog, clearly, obviously. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Go (laughs) ahead, sir.
1: Yes, Guy, No Guy, Jim. Uh, You care very deeply that Tiger Woods and Nike have ended their 27-year partnership.
0: No, Guy. Didn't waste a second on it. In fact, he's big enough now that he could probably build his own Nike and uh, do his own stuff instead of... uh, doing that so I, that's part of a, a natural evolution for him he's he's gonna land on his feet trust me on this one
1: yeah absolutely and if I agree with that uh past a uh, podcast guest uh, Adam Skelly for some reason he's like very up, not very upset about it but he's like no this is a huge thing that he's li- leaving Nike it's like I don't care whatever he wears people will love it it's not a big deal yeah it's very very funny that he thinks very strongly against me and he thinks he is uh, pretty uh, ticked off about him uh, leaving Nike makes no difference to me
0: Okay, yes guy, no guy. Sports Center featuring Hound Dog Harrison has a certain ring to it.
1: Ooh, uh, yes guy. I love this one. Uh, <laughs> that's been a dream to uh, either be on TV or radio, uh, you know, doing these podcasts. That's the whole point of uh, doing them, but hopefully get to, to, to that one day. Yes guy, resounding yes. That would be absolutely incredible to get that opportunity. And, uh, you know, maybe I can co-host with uh, Adam Scully, who I just mentioned there, who's also one of the hosts now. That would be absolutely electric to be on that for sure. Yeah, Go ahead, say, sir. Yes, yes, guy, no guy, Jim. Curb Your Enthusiasm is a pretty, pretty, pretty good show.
0: Oh, yes, it is, guy. That's a yes, guy. In fact, that's my ringtone. Oh. song.
1: song. <laughs> so when you, when you call me, that's what you hear. <laughs> I love that show. Yes, guy. That's so good. It's so, so good. It's so weird how so many Seinfeld fans who love Seinfeld... Uh, will refuse to watch Kruber Enthusiasm, even though it's the co-creator Larry David who's on that. It makes no sense to me. It's, they're both amazing. What? Why do you have to have pick one or the other? They're both in my, uh, they're, they're both incredible. It's so weird.
0: I like where your mind comes from. Okay, this is my final
1: yes guy, no guy. Yes guy, no guy.
0: The Bills go deep.
1: I'm gonna say yes guy actually on that. I, I was talking to some Bills fans about a month ago, and they were you know oh, doom and gloom. We're not gonna miss the playoffs. And I'm like yes, they're gonna be they're gonna make the playoffs. They're too talented. They're, they'll find a way. I think the Buffalo Bills are uh, you know, primed. It's so weird. Had they lost uh, last Sunday, they would have been the seventh seed, but they win and now they're the second seed. So it, it's very weird this, this year in, in NFL, trying to figure out what the good teams and the bad teams. If you were to say the Bills would have been second, you would have been like, really? Uh, throughout the, most of the year. I think this is finally the year like they're kind of sneakily not thought of as being very good. Uh, even though they are second, the second seed, so I think this is finally the year they have, they have a push a uh, have a great push forward to hopefully go to the Super Bowl and then in Bill's fashion probably lose it because that would just be soul crushing like they did in the '90s four straight years.
0: Yeah, well that's it for me, guy. I'm done.
1: And this is my final one for this podcast. And thank you so much for this, Jim. Uh, yes, guy, no guy. This is the most fun you've ever had on a podcast.
0: Uh, I don't guess on a lot of podcasts, so I have to go with yes, guy.
1: Okay, well, I'll take that. That's better than, uh, than you say, no, this is absolutely brutal.
0: Yeah, I could have said an emphatic, all capital letters, no guy, and that would have been a
1: deadener. But, no, this is,
0: this has been a lot of fun, Hound Dog. I, I, I like you as a, as a personality, and you, you make contributions to Yes Guy. In fact, you'll be on Yes Guy this Thursday playing Yes Guy, No Guy. So you're a good guy in my books. The Hound Dog is is good.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, Jim. It's been awesome. And, and finally, where can people listen to you and find you on the social media?
0: Uh, social media is at my Twitter account or my X account is my name. Um, Instagram, JV JVTaddy uh, on uh, threads and TikTok, uh, all JV Taddy. And, uh, of course, Yes Guy, the radio show, 10 a.m. to noon, live Thursday and Friday. Leaf games on TSN 1050, Raptors games on TSN 1050. And, and that's almost bordering on overexposure. So I'll leave it at that.
1: All right, Guy. Yes, Guy, this has been an awesome interview. Thank you so much for coming on, Jim, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay, thanks. Bye. Yes, Guy. That was a blast talking with sports media legend Jim Taddy. He's been such a fabric of the Toronto sports scene for nearly half a century. I especially loved hearing the genesis of his catchphrase, Yes, Guy, being a sarcastic ode when he was frustrated at work. As he mentioned, I'll be on Yes, Guy on TSN 1050 radio this week. And, of course, that interview can be found on the Yes, Guy podcast, on whatever app you use if you miss it live at 11.50 a.m. Eastern Time on Thursday. It was so gracious of him to play along with a little yes-guy-no-guy at the end of that interview. So much fun. As I discussed earlier, I truly hope the Seahawks don't fire Pete Carroll as head coach. Breaking news. Breaking news. Oh, oh, Hound Dog. Sorry to break your heart, but Pete Carroll won't be the head coach anymore in Seattle, so... The blame squarely falls on the defense for being absolutely putrid. Good word. Anyone who says quarterback Geno Smith was the problem clearly doesn't watch the games. He graded out as a top 10 QB this year behind an offensive line that was horrific in all kinds of metrics with no running game at all and a defense that couldn't get off the field. Pete needs to hire a legit established defensive coordinator and not one of his underlings already on the staff because ultimately as the head coach, he needs to fix it. Yeah, so as I already said, Pete Carroll won't be the coach. Sorry, Hound Dog. By the way, my newish passion is watching movies again in the last year or so after basically not watching any for two decades. I've already seen a few fun ones in 2024 named Anyone But You with Sidney Sweeney. It was a fun rom-com. Fairly cheesy and predictable, but no less fun. I give it 3.2 out of 5. And then American Fiction which depicts a struggling writer who is frustrated at the junk that people enjoy reading, that he writes his own novel as a joke, then everyone loves it and he's annoyed because he knows it's crap. It was very entertaining, funny, and at times emotional. I give that one 4.2 out of 5. Do yourself a favor and watch it. Thank you for listening to episode 97 of the H-Dog Pod, getting ever so close to the emotional milestone 100th episode. Bang! This has been the H-Dog Pod with your host, Michael Houndog Harrison.